Let me also mention that there are some gems over here on this table. Now, I know our fellowship at the end of our gathering is to chat and talk, and then all of a sudden we rush on over to go to the gathering in the Life Center, but don't miss that table. That table's got some real gems, some treasures that are available to you. Okay, Psalm 12. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceases, for the faithful disappear among the sons of men. They speak idly, everyone with his neighbor, and with flattering lips and a double heart they speak. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaks proud things, who have said, with our tongue we will prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? For the oppression of the poor, for the sign of the needy, now I will arise, says the Lord. I will set him in the safety for which he yearns. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. You shall keep them, O Lord. You shall preserve them from this generation forever. The wicked prowl on every side. And when vileness is exalted among the sons of men. Let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you for this man, David. A man who is after your heart, who would do all of your will. And Lord, we pray that you would teach us today that we could learn some of your heart through the heart of David that could speak to our hearts. Speak now, Lord. Give us ears to hear what's in your heart. Lord, we just all say as Samuel, speak, Lord. Your bondservant is listening. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceases. While David begins this psalm with a cry for help, he was desperate for God. Uh, which is always a good thing in dire situations. It's good to be desperate for God. When we are self-sufficient, we forget our need of God too easily. But the moment trouble arises, immediately we end up running to God. However, the Lord should be always our first source of refuge rather than our last resort. David felt alone in his difficult situation. And living for God in a wicked world can often be very difficult and very lonely. You know, one time it reminded me about the prophet Elijah who felt so lonely he wanted to die. And, but 
God was just so faithful to Elijah in 1 Kings 19. He told them that there were 7,000 that had not bowed the knee to Baal. 7,000 who were still faithful in the land. And God spoke those words to encourage Elijah. He was not alone. And the Lord wants to encourage us. We are never alone in our battle against evil. Never. Never. So the moment you feel alone, which we can all feel at times, immediately start crying out to Father God, help, help, O Lord. His answer is just a cry for help away. Verse 1 continues saying, for the faithful disappear from among the sons of men. Well, David had a good perception that righteousness was declining in his day and that faithful people were hard to find. <laughs> How true is that for us today? Christianity America has been declining for years. And now many people who faithfully worship the Lord in their churches pre-COVID has since chosen the convenience of live streaming over in-person fellowship. The scriptures speak to this. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 say, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Friends, this is not a good time for us to neglect fellowship with one another. The godly are characterized by their faithfulness to the Lord and to one another. Gather together and exhort all the more as you see the day approaching. Proverbs 18.1 is an interesting scripture, but I think it can easily fit in our present day. He or she or they who separate themselves seek their own desire and argue against all sound wisdom. We find justification for almost everything we do. I really appreciated last Sunday. I thought maybe Jordan would have been here on the front end. But uh, when Pastor Jordan compassionately encouraged last week, how many of you heard him last week? Man, didn't he knock it out of the park? I mean, he, he spoke like a lead pastor. That was the, the best preaching I've heard him share publicly. But I love how he encouraged those who were watching at home on live streaming and have chosen to stay at home for a long time. I remember Jordan, he looked into the camera. We were sitting on the left-hand side, but you could tell he was focused on the camera. And he, he was speaking about this issue, and he said, we want you to come home because we miss you terribly. And he spoke so genuine and so passionate. I pray that there are more people in the Lord's house at, on the campus at Highland today because of that exhortation that was filled with compassion. Don't stay at home and enjoy with your coffee, donut, and PJs. 
Come back into fellowship. Do not forsake the assembling of the gathering as is the habit of some. Let us not be among the some. In verses 2 through 4, David addresses the unfaithful words that are being spoken in his day. And look at what he mentions. He mentions idle words, flattering lips, a double-minded heart, pride, and boasting. Godly people cease to be godly when they engage in speech that's insincere and arrogant. Of all of the bodily members that God has formed in us, of all of them, our mouths are the most difficult to control. The most difficult. Words spoken hastily and thoughtlessly can often lead us into trouble. And you know what? They have in the lives of all of us. We've all experienced this. But you know, here's something that God wants us to know through David, God knows the power of words. However, we're often not aware of the power of our words until we see the effect that they had on someone, either positive or negative. Then we're able to see how powerful our words actually are. Taming the tongue requires discipline. It requires diligence and for sure, and most assuredly, the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's look to verse 5. David now focuses on the poor. For the oppression of the poor, for the sign of the needy, now I will arise, says the Lord. I will set him in the safety for which he yearns. How evident the Lord cares very, very much about the poor. And David knew that the poor would eventually be rescued because God would arise on their behalf and he would set them in safety. You know, as I thought about the poor, I just thought, Highland, we can be so grateful to belong to a, a really radically generous church that reaches out to the poor. As I was just pondering this, I think that one of the greatest things that has happened this year in this church family was during the series that Pastor John was sharing about the debt has been paid. Remember that series? During that series, it was brought to our attention a desired to raise a lot of money to cancel medical debt, which is bought back by insurance brokers from hospitals and, and, and for pennies on the dollar. So you remember our campaign was to raise $70,000 that would remove $8 million worth of medical debt of people living in Waco. An honorable thought. He paid our debt. We have the privilege to maybe pay for some of theirs. But Highland gave beyond 70,000. 177,000 dollars. It canceled 34 million dollars 
of debt for almost everyone with medical debt in five counties. Not just Waco, 830 plus families, their entire debt for medical procedures was canceled. Wow. The Lord cares for the poor. The Lord cares for the oppressed. I'm glad that we do too. Verse 6. David contrasts the words of God with human carnal words. He writes, the words of the Lord are pure words. Like silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. You know, I recently read that there is a mine in Western Australia that has produced what its owner believes are the two biggest gold specimens in recorded history. Janica, we have the first slide. Look at this, folks. This big, that's one hunk of gold, 198 pounds in that chunk. That's a small one next to it, but you see beyond the tire, there's another one over there. In fact, Jenna, let's get the next slide. At current prices, that large one that we looked at is worth about $4.2 million, 143 pounds out of the 198 pounds, 143 pounds of pure gold. Pounds, these aren't ounces. Wow. Okay, next slide. That's a fellow holding it. He said it was stretching his arms. Okay, Janet, and the next one. Look at the beauty of this. The brilliance of being able to find it. All they did, this is before there was any other work other than washing it with water. That's what it looked like. Still needs a little cleaning up, but it's brilliant. The early estimates from the RNC Minerals Corporation, which actually is a Canadian-owned company, they put the total stake of the coarse gold that they found within two weeks to be estimated at 562 pounds of pure gold worth more than $12 million. That's what I was doing. Wow. Wow. And you know what? You know what the Lord said to me? He said, now I'm going to give you a wow. Because the story made me immediately wonder about the significance of 45 years that they've been digging gold in this mine in Western Australia, and it's still open, and they're still finding gold. Not only that, Now they just found the largest discovery in 45 years, and it blew their minds. You should have heard these guys. I I had a video. It's about three minutes. I didn't want to play the whole thing. But they are so excited. Of course, they spoke with such an Australian accent. Only half of us would understand what they're talking about. (laughs) And I saw immediately how much this is like the word of God. We can dig in it, and we can dig in it, and we can dig in it for years. 
and it still will never exhaust its treasury. And this story makes me wonder if the greatest revelations and insights buried deep within God's word are yet to be found. We think we have the great revelation and the full revelation of John 3.16. I'll tell you there's a whole lot more gold there that we don't understand. The word of the Lord is eternal. We have understood this much, maybe this much. The words of the Lord are flawless, like pure silver, purified in a crucible and like gold, refined seven times. I want to encourage you, keep digging. Keep digging. 45 years, 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, 80 years, eternity, there are still huge deposits and chunks of revelation beyond even what we know today. Verses 7 and 8, David refers to God's work, God's words. He now is summing up right after he said, Gold seven times, it says, you shall keep them, O Lord. You shall preserve them, referring to his words, from this generation forever. In other words, David was saying, God, you will be faithful to your words, and you will preserve your words from the wicked and from their distortion, or even their using your words to their own end. You will be true to your words, even when worthlessness is exalted in the earth which is what we're seeing right now. All right, I want us to look into Psalm 13. I'm going to look at the first couple of verses. But David is again struggling with impatience. How many can relate to David? God forgive all those hands that are down. Listen, we all struggle with impatience. I mean, when was the last time you could sit for five traffic lights on Valley Mills Drive? Come on. Yeah, we all struggle with impatience. But David is struggling concerning God's answer to his heart cry. Verse 1, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart? daily. How long will my enemy be exalted over me? In these two opening verses, David asks God, how long? Four times. Again, David is desperate. I want to share some insights that I got from an author by the name of Bob Sorge in his book entitled the fire of delayed answers. I want us to consider Job as we're talking about patience. Do you remember that phrase, the patience of Job? Listen, we're old enough to remember that. I asked that last table back over there, they'd all go, what's that? <laughs> Have you heard of the patience of Job? Yes. Kaylee? Uh-huh. Mary? No. Uh, called out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, 
The patience of Job. That, that was a saying in many of my years growing up. Job lived through physical, emotional, and mental anguish. And yet he still chose to trust the God he could not see and pray for the friends that really were not friends. What a Christ-like example. Sometimes the greatest adversity comes to those who love him the most. Christian history confirms this truth. And one of the tests that many of the greatest saints suffered was to have others who love and serve the Lord decide that they were suffering because of God's displeasure upon them. That's what Job's friends thought. They had no idea that this was a suffering for God's sake, not for evil punishment. That's why you and I must be very careful to avoid the position of Job's friends who ended up coming against him, giving wrong counsel. And Job was a man who was silent as he was fearing the Lord in the midst of that adversity. Most everyone who is fervently pursuing the Lord will eventually come face to face with the theological crisis in regards to personal adversity. Why, oh God? We've all done it. We've questioned, why am I going through this? How long, oh God? When are you going to take this away? Why did you do this? Why did you allow this to happen? See, that moves us right into the category of the world that doesn't have the answer. We have the answer. It's in the person of Jesus. And that day, he said, you will, answer, you will ask me no question. What's that day? That day is when we are at perfect peace and harmony with God and know that he is sovereign and supreme over everything, including every one of my adversities. When we're at that place of intimate communion with him, we don't need to ask him any questions because we trust he is who he is. And that's enough. That's everything. Often the very thing that Satan wants to use to pull you and I away from God, God will use to cause you to get to know him more intimately than ever before. You know, God had a very specific purpose in allowing Job, Job to suffer the way that he did. And his purpose was that Job would be a model for all generations after him that God's ways are beyond comprehension. And that the righteous do suffer. And that God's plans to, is to bring them to a place of ultimate victory. You know, often we say, Lord, make me more like Jesus. At least we should be saying that. <laughs> Lord, make me more like Jesus. Well, what we forget, though, is that the character of Christ is produced in us mainly through persevering through pressure. It's hard to amen those things, but it's true. Listen, when you and I pray, Lord, change me. Here's what we're really saying. Lord, I'm prepared to persevere in the midst of difficult circumstances. Because it's in a combination of heat and pressure. 
where diamonds are developed. You're a diamond, still in the rough, just like the gold. But the Lord is washing clean water over us to take the dirt of the world off so that at least the glimmer is radiant. Did you notice on the gold specks that there was still white little deposits of quartz and this and that that they needed to take off in the purifying process? Well, that's like you and me. Later on, as I was looking at those pictures of gold, I saw us. You're that gold. You're that huge deposit. God's washed pure water and cleansed you from the dirt of the world. But there's still a lot of work to do. There's still a lot of fire to go through. The purifying process like gold refined seven times. Hmm. Well, lastly, how did David and Jesus respond when troubles increased? They both fervently sought the Lord. Both David and Jesus showed us that in hard times, we are to draw close to God and seek him with all our hearts, not just part of our heart, all of our hearts, which goes in sync with Jeremiah 29. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope, no matter what age you are. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me. And I will listen to you. And you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. And I will be found by you, says the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, some of us even right here this morning are going through pressure. Adversity, stress, physical pain, emotional pain, mental pain. Lord, you are our first choice of refuge. You're not our last resort. Jesus, we want to go to you. Father, we, we, we run to you before we run to doctors. Before we run to our friends, we run to you. You're the God of all flesh. You're the God of all healing. You're the God of all deliverance. You're the God of all rescue. And thank you that you know all the thoughts concerning each of us in an intimate way. Thank you that your thoughts toward each of us is toward shalom and not toward evil. Thank you, Lord, that you, you still have a future for us, even in our years. You still have a future. In fact, you want our latter end to be greater than our former beginning. So, Lord, you're calling unto us today. It says, then you will call to me. We want to make our petition to you today in a fresh way.
And you'll go and you'll pray to me. Lord, we want to commit ourselves to prayer from this Sunday. Lord, this November 14th, 2021, we want to commit ourselves to commune with God, not out of duty, but out of delight. Because when we do come to you with all of our heart, we're heard by you. I will listen to you, says the Lord. And you will seek me, and you will find me. Now, Lord, here's the, here's the turning point when you search for me with everything. Lord, forgive us for our half-hearted seeking God, our praying once and then going about life and or praying three or four times and then calling the doctor. Lord, we just really need to be led by the Spirit, not by our anxiety, not by our fear, not by the unknown. We want to be led by your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we thank you that the promise, and David did find the conclusion of the promise, he was found by God, and God was found by David. That's why he was a man that was so fervently after your heart, because he so passionately sought your face, your intimacy, your presence. And I pray you'd help us to become more like David in that desire of intimacy, a greater intimacy than what he he just wanted to grow and grow in intimacy with God. May that be our desire today, Lord. Thank you that your calling upon us is holy, holy, holy. And thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that your plan for each of us is to bring us through to a place of victory. And for that, we give you thanks and praise and adoration with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. 